We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, every time that I, I bring you on the, this podcast uh, and where we do a video like we did a, a bunch of them last year, mm-hmm. I, what I've noticed is that I always come away learning something I didn't know. And, and, you know, I mean, seriously, like a take that I hadn't heard that it actually resonates. I mean, last year, you know, I you famously were talking about Marcus Valdez Scantling, <laughs> who was just a scrap heap guy. And, you know, I know right. you're you're kind of laughing right now as I say it, but that's going to be a fantasy relevant player this year. And yeah, based on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's he's going in what ninth, tenth round and uh, best balls, right? Which is a mistake. I, I We've been all over that in the channel right now. I think everyone at Road Aware, because maybe the Packers fandom, we, we've, we've seen MVS. There's by no means reason to be drafting him that high. But you're right. When he was going that 13th, 14th round uh, last year, I thought there was like little to no risk. That's Sammy Watkins this year. I, I really believe you're going to get three games Ooh. of Sammy Watkins. I, I feel very confident saying he can he can reasonably outshoot his ADP at the moment. And that's not even saying Romeo Dobbs, too, who I think is going to be the better of the rookie wide receivers. I like both of those. But this is, you know, it's the Packers stuff. I can do that all day. I, I love what you, the Packers uh, do. And this is my favorite team. I feel like I have a bit more insight than most on them. You're coming in hot takey. Okay, I like that. Okay, I like it. So, <laughs> so we're going to talk about today. We're going. I have a, a, a bunch of topics I want to talk to you about that pertain to the 2022 season, and we're going to hit on our main topic, which is bad dynasty trades and bad process with dynasty trades. Uh, you know, this is you're the guy to talk about this because you you're the cold water on these dynasty players that uh, overvalue youth and undervalue um, production. So I, you're anytime this topic comes up, I'm going to be uh, calling the bat phone saying, Joe Bartle, get on, get on here and tell dynasty players why they're stupid. It's my favorite thing that you do. It's your, it's play the hits. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you, you do a good job with that too. I think we're, we're in sync in a lot of ways with identifying that stuff, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all for uh, making dynasty players feel bad. That's my MO. I'm, I'm good with that. <laughs> so let, you know what? So this is no bigger. Okay. There's no bigger chasm right now uh, in, with uh, two receivers, C.D. Lamb in redraft and Mike Evans go mm. basically back to back, yeah. but those guys are like twenty spots apart in dynasty. I mean, you know, are you down with taking C.D. Lamb this year, two thousand twenty-two, in the first round? That's happening right now. Yeah, in in redraft, or are you saying dynasty? in redraft? Okay, so I I think it becomes a, a fundamental choice. Uh, I was having this conversation the other day with somebody when it comes to running backs in that round two and three range, there are so many landmines and guys that I just don't like overall. Like when you have to, and and we aren't even in August yet. We're in June. We're going to do this ramp up in July and then August. When we're having to talk ourselves into Saquon Barkley, who's been injured for the past, what feels like six decades now as a guy that we really are excited for in round two and three. I, I think that really exemplifies why, I would rather prioritize the running back position in round one and especially like the, the back end of the first round or even early second round as well, too. And I, I'm okay with Saquon Barkley. Like I'm I have already talked myself in to him being a guy that I, I might be interested in, but there's just so many of those guys in that round two or three range. So if I'm saying, yeah, I'll take CD Lamb back into the first round, what I'm telling myself is crap, I have to be really invested in James Conner, or oh my God, let's double down on Justin Fields and David Montgomery. It's just not it's not an exciting prospect for me. So when I'm when I'm looking at these running backs and especially what I want to do in the first round, almost by default, unless I'm really just trying to build up my portfolio in a different way. I'm going to be going running back because the thought of taking some of those second and third round guys and, and forcing my way into a selection just is uh, it's not appetizing to me. 
Yeah, it, what you notice is on the different best ball platforms, and you and I talked about this, that underdog mm-hmm. seems to be going wide receiver crazy. Uh, the NFFC best ball 10 seem to be going running back crazy. And the the crazy part of that, the, the ironic part of that, is the running back um, centric platform is full PPR and underdog is half PPR. Right. I mean, so, I mean, you know, a lot of sharp players are going wide receiver early in underdog best balls. Why do you think that is like, what, what could even be the process there? So I think it's because they believe they can identify later running backs to go ahead and draft. And you throw enough darts at eventually you'll be able to get RB2, RB2 production, which is more or less what I'm worried about when I'm saying a, a Camara or David Montgomery or James Conner around two or three. And, and that that's probably a fair strategy. My only concern is as we continue to ramp up in drafts, there are going to be by default more sharp people. I mean, this is a knowledge industry at this point when it comes to fantasy football. And we've been talking about this ad nauseum already. And again, this is late June. We have another two months of this stuff. There are going to be people that are more knowledgeable about Damian Harris in round eight or uh, like AJ Dillon, who I like quite a bit in the same round too. I mean, like those, those types of players might get pushed up in value because there are going to be more like-minded people targeting these running backs later on thinking I'm going to have some tremendous value. And therefore I can go ahead and get water receivers when that plan doesn't work up. Oh, boom. You just wasted $20 or whatever it is for you, for your entry fee. And I, and I think that's where I get concerned where I know I can find value at water receiver and I will gladly zig when somebody else is zagging because I feel confident in my knowledge uh, when it comes to a lot of these lower round or you know that flyer type of picks that, that, that's that's my two cents on it but to be honest I, I haven't done enough of the best ball that's more of a the next three weeks ramping up to vegas so i can beat you in the vegas league that's that's my whole intention and purpose for the oh, best balls. yeah so it, and like we've always talked about that best there's no better practice mm-hmm. that uh for your redraft league than to get reps in best ball it's a little different because quarterbacks get pushed up a little more in single quarterback leagues because you need two of them Sometimes even three of them if you're going real scrubby. But for the most part, the running backs and wide receivers, you can get the lay of the land. And for a $3, $5 best ball, $10 best ball, you know, do as many as you can, as many as you can uh, invest in there. Uh, because like you said, it's uh, it, not only do you have a chance to win money and then a, hot, a grand prize overall, but definitely um, good reps to beat everybody in the Vegas League and your home league. Um, all right, so let's talk a little bit about the first round. This is this is the uh, in this year that there is no better time to have a random first round pick in my judgment. You know, yeah. Jonathan Taylor seems to be the one one, but after that, like, who are you going to take at one point two in a redraft league? Yeah, that, that's a really good question, and I was just thinking about the other day too. Like, God, ha- have do you really remember time where? You know, picks two through six are as ambiguous as it is. I mean, like it really kind of actually represents what happened in rookie drafts this year, where really after Brees Hall, you were like, well, I like Drake London. Okay, I can take him, you know, one point two, or maybe somebody wants Kenneth Walker or Kenny Pickett, or and and, and that kind of went down the line. I'm I'm actually surprised that I haven't talked myself into anybody guaranteed at one point two. I think it really depends on the format. If you're playing a standard league. I'm not worried about Derrick Henry. I, I still think he's going to have plenty of a workload. And even though the A.J. Brown trade has is going to hinder that Titans offense, I think Derrick Henry is one of a kind. And while I get the understanding, let's be one year early on these running backs as opposed to yeah. one year late, the workload that the Titans are going to ask him to do is just insane. And I think by default, he'll still have plenty of opportunities. That's that's the safe number two overall pick. If we're talking a full-point PPR, I, I don't know. I, I like Austin Eckler quite a bit, or even Joe Mixon in that regard. I know people will point out Joe Mixon's the later end of the season with the Bengals as a reason why not. And I'm thinking, well, that's just the Bengals ramping up towards a, a, a playoff Super Bowl eventual run. At you getting T. Higgins and Jamar Chase involved will generally help that cause, but you have to play a full season. And I think Joe Mixon by default can be a guy that does that. And I, and neither of these people, Eckler or Mixon, are really being considered for that spot. Everyone might pivot to CMC when, you know, if, he, if he's healthy, if he's healthy, that's total value too. But that feels like a real crapshoot there. So. I don't know. Which which way are you looking at at 1.2? Yeah. So 1.2, I've seen a lot of people go Cooper Cup. It's hard to blame them for that for that because, you know, when it comes back around, there will be some running backs there. You talked about Saquon Barkley. You talked about possibly even like a Nick Chubb. And now Javante Williams is falling. For me, I'm taking <laughs> – this is uh, – uh, there's two players going at like 6, 8, and 9 that I'm pushing up to two. I like Najee Harris there. I like Dalvin Cook there. And not because they're going to like win me the league, but 
you know, you can't win your fantasy football league in the first round, but you certainly could lose it. Those guys are not going to lose me in my leagues. Najee Harris, because of the 400 touches he got last year, let's say it scales back down to 365. And then, of course, Dalvin Cook, there is, of course, you know, some missed game risk. But at the same time, there's nobody that has a more clear backup running back cuff than Dalvin Cook, which you can get in the 10th round or later. So that's how I'm playing the first round. I love the the call of Derrick Henry. People are going to be a little frightened off because of the foot injury. The one issue I have with Joe Mixon is now that there's a lot of chatter that he's going to be losing a lot of that third down work. But, you know, I don't have a problem with it per se. Uh, the player that I do have a problem with, and uh, I'm curious your take, is Javante Williams is falling, 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 falling. He's now in the third round. He was a first-round pick. Where are you going to be on Javante in 2022? Man, I didn't realize he was falling to the third round now. I guess I have to do some more best balls. That's, is it, it just you know the, what? In all fairness, he's like pick 20, so it's it's getting there. It's getting there. Okay, yeah. Uh, I would imagine it's the Melvin Gordon signing that has people freaked out and feels off base to me. I mean, Javante Williams got the publicity that he did last year as a rookie when Melvin Gordon was there, I thought towards the end of last season, Melvin Gordon was still there for the most part. And Javante Williams was still getting the amount of press that he was. It's like we got fascinated with these rookies and then we have to just move off by default. Like that's the, the rule of thumb when in reality, I'm, I'm not sure that's the case. I, I wasn't super high on Javante Williams last year, mm. but if you're telling me that he's going to be falling down in the third round, but still getting the same workload in a better offense that now has Russell Wilson as your quarterback. And theoretically it'll be a, uh, all tides, a tide raising all boats situation. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, Melvin Gordon actually is a really good red zone running back. So if you're saying which one of the two is going to get more touchdown opportunities, I, I think it might be Melvin Gordon. But that's not to say that Javante Williams can't do damage in between the twenties. He's one of the few second or third round running backs that I actually find some value in still, or at least uh, less question marks than most of those guys. Yeah, it's uh, Javante Williams before the Melvin Gordon signing was going like pick three to five. It was, I mean, I can understand it. You're doing a $5 best ball. You want to, you know, plant your flag or whatever. And I, I think I might have done it once, but now it's like Javante Williams' ADP was too high. Melvin Gordon's is too low. It's now they're starting to come together. Uh, I could see Melvin Gordon getting up as high as the sixth or seventh round for those who do decide to go wide receiver early. Um, Bringing it back to the terrible dynasty trades theory, I mean, is is uh, what would you? What do you think is is Javante? Because now he's gettable. Before he used to not even be gettable. What do you think would be a reasonable way to attack? Would you want to go after Javante Williams, or do you think Melvin Gordon's going to be one of these Frank Gore types that just lingers around for like three years, and by the time Javante is it, Melvin Gordon leaves, Javante is like twenty six and going on a second contract. You know, Melvin Gordon might be that uh, as a person based in Madison, Wisconsin, I am by default required to root for Melvin Gordon. So understand that I want all good things to happen to him. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be the Frank Gore type lingering in Denver, though. I mean, they seemed more than happy to move past him really the past two off seasons and more or less shrug their shoulders and said, OK, you know, I think it's fine. We could, we could probably bring him back, but I'm, I'm excited about it. So, no, I, I actually think Javante Williams is probably a guy that, if you were interested in him last year, didn't want to pay the price. I'm more than fine doing that now. I've been telling everyone my uh, plant-the-flag player is J.K. Dobbins, at least uh, from a redraft perspective, and I'll be happy to go ahead and get J.K. Dobbins uh, at a similar price as Javante Williams. And, and Again, I'm not a huge Javante Williams fan, but I think I really believe that Russell Wilson edition, it's like we just got – uh, bored or lost in all the other offseason hype. And that's going to make the Broncos offense better, even though all of the entire conference, the AFC conference did amazing things and, and got better, except for like two teams. I, I think we're underscoring or we're, we're ignoring what Russell Wilson is going to do to an offense and by default make Javante Williams better. And and we now are also gone from Pete Carroll and this, you know, let Russ cook, but not actually let him cook kind of thing. But that, it's a completely di different atmosphere where I, I just I believe that Broncos offense is going to be at least middle of the pack, if not higher. And Javante Williams last year with Drew Locke and everybody else at quarterback was still kind of a mid-tier running back two guy. Yeah, I will gladly go get him in Dynasty. I, I don't know what a package necessarily would be, uh, but I will be comfortable paying whatever price somebody might be asking for him, right. considering I it's less. I bet you could take, like um, you said that you value Austin Eckler. I bet you could take Austin Eckler and package him with a pick to get Javante Williams, which again goes against what the theory is that 
Why are you going to trade away bank? You know, you know, Austin Eckler's money in the bank, but you know, it, I'm trying to think like a Nick Chubb plus a pick to go get Javante Williams. That's a case where I would be okay getting younger, but it, it's tough. Like, you know, Javante, the, the person who drafted Javante is the Javante truther. Um, they're, you know, they don't want, he's one of those, He's one of those players where people just they're going to hold until they're right. No one's really going to sell. So it's going to be tough. I uh, but you talked about Russell Wilson being uh, I, I agree with you. He is the best signing in all of free agency. It's not even close. Second for me would be Allen Robinson. That was kind of underreported. But I mean, Russell Wilson, this is going to be what we act that first half of a couple of years ago. I could see it. But which Denver Broncos wide receiver are you more interested in? Jerry Judy's ADP was a little higher. Now they've converged. It's like when one goes off the board, Cortland Sutton, the other one usually goes pretty quickly. Which one are you more interested in? Why? Real quick, I was looking up uh, different trade comps. Cam Akers straight up for Javante Williams. I would do that in a heartbeat. I don't know yeah. if there's people out there who would want Cam Akers. I would attach a pick to Akers yes. to get Javante Williams. Um, same with like a Josh Jacobs, who I would imagine most people would want. But what about like uh, Antonio Gibson and a mid first rounder for Javante? I, maybe that's too all day. Bad. Well, yeah, it's uh, like I just uh, it's funny you say that. And we'll get back to the Denver Broncos question in a second. I just traded. Uh, I acquired Gibson in a first and gave away Kamara and I regretted it. That's going to be our first terrible dynasty trade. Like I, you know, Gibson just his value just sunk and we can go into all those reasons in a in a moment. But yeah, like you said, it's like it's it's hard to acquire a player like Javante unless you're going to overpay. And it's not usually wise to overpay for running backs unless you're in absolute you know top five team and you're you know and it's like a jonathan taylor it's a locked in role it's just javante could end up you know could be rb 11 on the year and it doesn't pay the bills if you overpay with a couple first rounders so that's yeah. why i always think that the bad trades come in i right, get back to the, to the wide receivers for the broncos i i do love jerry judy um now i'll i'll preface this by saying i am very invested in jerry judy's rookie first round picks while everyone was making money in the stock market I stupidly thought, hey, let's go buy rookie cards. Uh, and I was really in on Jerry Judy, which has not worked out. But I, I, I do feel very confident in the talent there. And for a long time, it was 1A, C.D. Lamb, and 1B, Jerry Judy. I, I will stand by that um, talent level evaluation. And yes, I had Josh Jefferson number two, I guess, of that group. So maybe I've flubbed it already. But I, like, I, I really like what Jerry Judy can provide. And he's the perfect type of player that Russell Wilson is going to make better. Now, Cortland Sutton might have some value as that deep ball specialist. And we know the moon ball, especially mile high. Oh, how pretty that will look. But I think Jerry Judy in between those 20s is, is a guy that I find a lot of confidence in. And there's a lot of wide receiver threes in redraft right now. And you could pick a number of them. Our favorite guy right now is Alan Lazard, who we could probably talk about later. I will. I will absolutely pound the table for Alan Lazard at that spot. But I think Jerry Judy might become more of a wide receiver two or three that, sure, you might have to overdraft, but I know I'm getting around 8 to 12 points per game at minimum, and there's opportunity for him to explode now with a better quarterback under center. I, I don't know. I, the, upside, the upside is unlimited, in my opinion, uh, and I will gladly take him in the fifth or sixth or seventh round because of that. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because the market absolutely does not agree with you right now, but I agree with you. So <laughs> I know you said Joe Bartles laugh. I'm with you because Jerry Judy could be like Tyler Lockett plus. He can go deep. You know, it's just he had some drops last year. I am with you on Jerry Judy, but Cortland Sutton, you know, everyone's like, oh, this is his new DK Metcalf. I mean, and we have seen Cortland Sutton have, uh, you know, have big games before he had, he's gotten hurt before. Uh, so, all right, good. This is, this is good. Jerry Judy optimism. You know, we've heard some KJ Hamler buzz at a camp. You know, there was, there's definitely, uh, Tim Patrick too. Can't ever forget Tim Patrick. (laughs) No, yeah, absolutely. Tim Patrick. All he does is produce, right? He's going to be available in your typical 16 round draft. He's going to be available on your waiver. By the way, if that, um, turning the mute on and off is annoying to you, just leave it on. It's fine. It's fine. No, 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 I'm, I'm making it work. My, okay. my bad chuckles anyway should be muted. <laughs> no, that, that's why. <laughs> see, when you laughed and it, it was muted, that's what I was like, oh, I need it. See, it fills in that. And, okay. Anyway, it fills in the void. Okay, just leave it right. on. Leave it on. I, I like it. I like all it. All right. All right. So, all right. So, that's. I think that's going to be a. You're going to be on an island alone. Um, maybe not. Let's see. I mean, we'll, oh, we'll I will a, make a Judy Island by the end of August. Don't you worry. We're yeah. going to have at least four fevered supporters of Jerry Judy as a fifth or sixth round guy. Yeah, I mean, if, at one point he was going in the fourth round. Now he's like, like you said, sixth, seventh round because there was mm-hmm. some off, the, you know, off the field trouble, which was already cleared up. But yeah, either it, it seems, I mean, like I'm always really careful with that stuff. I'm I'm one that will historically not draft Joe Mixon or Tyreek Hill because reasons of my own. And 
it seemed like that was a different situation from everything that's been reported thus far. Now, obviously, things could change, as we've seen with Deshaun Watson. But for the most part, I, I think that, like you said, it's been cleared up. All right, so let's get into the prediction business a little bit. You brought up Deshaun Watson because not so much about Deshaun Watson, but this really does affect multiple players. It affects the receivers. It affects, you know, Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones, uh, you know, the David Njoku. It doesn't really affect the running backs too much, but it affects Baker Mayfield. It affects Jacoby Brissett. These are players in super flex leagues that matter, that get drafted. So let's get into the prediction business. What do you? Th- how long do you think Deshaun Watson is going to be suspended for? Oh, I, I, I just know there's no way to tell. There's no I, wrong answer. Because- yeah, I just had this conversation. Um, I think most people believe it's going to be a year, and we've just picked a year because of Kelvin Ridley. You think about that Kelvin Ridley suspension for gambling. If that hadn't happened, I I don't know. I, yeah, I have no idea what uh, the NFL would choose to do or think they could get away with. I'm I'm a pessimist by nature. Uh, I truly don't believe the NFL, unless they are really forced to, will handle anything appropriately because they are a mega corporation, and that's what mega corporations do in America. Uh, I, I I hope I hope it's a year uh, for optics and just about everything else, and I also hope that we continue to discuss, discuss it afterwards and we don't do this Ben Roethlisberger thing or Kobe Bryant thing where we just forget about it after a year. Cause I, I just, that's not fair uh, to the other people in this situation. I, I think it's going to be a year, uh, but I would not be surprised at all if it's only like eight games. So th- my prediction is they give them a year and it gets negotiated down to eight or 10 games. So that just seems like right now they're, they're in discussions uh, to see what that suspension is. And one of the options on the table is an indefinite suspension, which means, you know, in, until it basically uh, yeah, like the, the, the Trevor Brower situation, right? With the, there you go. And, and, and maybe, and maybe that's the most um, appropriate way. And again, I don't believe the NFL will ever handle things appropriately. Look at what we've seen with Congress and Daniel Snyder so far. I just don't, I don't, I don't think that's what the NFL will ever intend to do, but if they really believe there's going to be a public backlash and you know, there certainly could be uh, sure that that might be the safest play for, for the NFL, at least in that regard. All right. Well, getting back to our main theme, then I know you're going to disagree with this trade, but I just traded for Deshaun Watson in my dynasty Superflex league. Now, you know, I, you and I differ a little bit here, where you're you're a little bit le- uh, less inclined to draft players that have that you have some moral conflict with, and I respect that. Me, I'll draft Saddam Hussein if he's going to give me fantasy points. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I'm an exaggeration for clarification, but uh, in these leagues where money's involved, I just traded I, what I think was um, uh, a pretty cheap uh, a rookie first and second round pick next year for Deshaun Watson in a Superflex league. And they also got back a third round pick. So just on value alone, let's say he sits out the whole year. Do you like this trade? Now forget, take out the moral. And we're right, assuming now right. full year suspension. I gave away my 23 what you, first. Uh, what you my, get in the third round? So I gave away my 23 first, 23 second, and I got back to Sean Watson and it's 23 third. So all future picks. And oh, the, I see. Okay, okay, So okay. the critique on that, was that, hey, you're not going to get anything out of Deshaun Watson this year. And my answer back was, I'm not going to get anything out of my next year's first and second this year anyway. If it was this class, this this Kenny Pickett uh, No, no, it's class. next year. No, well, next no year. I'm saying if it, if oh. it was, if this mm-hmm. were first-round picks this year, I would have been all for it. I, I, mm-hmm. As much as I love Drake London, I, and I really, really do, uh, or even Chris Olave as well. I, mean, I know there's two other, you know, Garrett Wilson, Burks, Watson as well, who I traded up in the Redaware Dynasty League to take uh, I think there are wide receivers every single year that you can fall in love with uh, and, and get for value. So uh, while there while there were those guys this year, I would have gladly given him a first and second round pick with the value that we had at running back and quarterback, as opposed to next year, which theoretically should be a better class. I don't know how much projecting you do with that. And, and to be honest, Alan, it's probably smarter if you don't. So many things can change. Right. There was no Joe Burrow at this time before the college right. season, before I, I Joe Burrow. Sam Howell was going to be a guaranteed can't miss top three. One, pick. one. And, you yep. know, so I, it's it's ridiculous. And I fall victim to this all the time. I I love doing the, the Debbie Dynasty League stuff a little bit more. Like Those are the in-depth Dynasty Leagues that I like to play in. Um, so, you know, maybe maybe I fall victim to it for, for a reason or purpose. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I, this next year's class looks pretty darn good at both wide receiver and at quarterback and yes i would much rather have uh what looks like right now the alabama quarterback or the ohio state quarterback or whoever else might appear the joe burrow quarterback uh as opposed to watson not even for the moral part but if they go to even a reasonably good situation they should be relevant for the next 10 to 12 years and 
the peaks of Deshaun Watson and the Browns might not be there, but I feel very confident saying the Trevor Lawrence of the world, which by all accounts had a bad year last year, was still middle of the pack, a little bit lower end of the like QB2 range. You can do pretty well with that if the, the first round pick is within the first four or so. Oh, no. my, I, my team's good. So it would probably. Oh, be like, okay. All right. So now Alan's flexing. I see. Okay. No, no. I'm saying it's at least a, like a six, seven, or eight pick. And I think it could be pick 10 in the first round, meaning like, you know, I'll win a playoff game. So that's why I did it also okay. because I my team is in position to uh, most likely make the playoffs. And then, you know, I, I think I can win a couple games in the playoffs if, if anything else. So, so, it was, so the, other, the other part about this too, and. And it's it's always so I do the ask an expert stuff uh, for RotoWire. I do a lot of the radio calls as well too. We do SiriusXM. I hear from a lot of subscribers and listeners. I'll always tell people, you know your league better than I do. Like I can look at this trade on the surface and say, hey, yeah, okay, maybe I don't like her. I do like it. But if you think you can move around and move back into the first round, if there's a guy you really like, or you have people in your league that you feel confident enough that you can negotiate trades with, then I think it makes a it makes the league more fun but B allows you to be more flexible in a lot of these things. And, and that's the great part. Cause I hear from so many people who are in those situations. When you and I are in these expert leagues, you know, Oh my God, a, a trade that an expert make heck no, that'll never happen. We're far too staunch in our guys. Uh, but when some of those friends and family leagues, or at least ones that you, you know, the other competitors well enough to make deals. I, I think there's a lot more flexibility on the table for a trade to be, uh, you know, not, not necessarily good or bad, but somewhere in the middle. Hey Joe, I have a question for you. Do you love fantasy sports? Man, I, I think so. You know, are you are you ready? Are you ready for a new challenge this year? Because every, dynasty, every, yes. okay, because dynasty owner is the new way to play fantasy football. You like how we did that uh, with NFL salaries, adding the strategy of running an actual franchise. Dynasty owner provides a unique and challenging experience that will test your skills as an owner and general manager. You will have complete control over your team's future. You can build through the draft, Joe. You can make trades. You can sign free agents, manage your team salary cap, and create a dynasty of champions. Sign up at DynastyOwner.com and start building your dynasty today. Alan, you don't know this, but you're actually talking to the 2021-2022 Expert League Dynasty Owner Champion right now. I actually was going to wear the shirt today, and I thought – Man, it might, people might think I like work for Dynasty Owner or something. I want to really push my RotoWire agenda here, so I put so, the, you know the, the whole clothes. But yes, I got the uh, signed uh, trophy out in my desk mm. right now. I have the shirt and hat. Uh, thank you, Jamar Chase and Cooper Cup, for carrying my team well past what I thought they would. Uh, and by next year, when both their contracts are insane, or at least Cooper Cups, uh, I'll be down at the last place again and, and toiling around with the Kenny Pickett's of the world. So, but one year glory. In Love Dynasty. that. What what that's a better advertisement than the read I did. Hey Joe, <laughs> Joe there's a lot of optimism uh, around the Detroit Lions offense this year. Right, that's wrong. But okay, yeah. Okay, so in or out, you're out. But why are you out? I mean, we've seen J- the the offensive line is pretty secure. We've seen Jared yeah. Goff when he does have a good offensive line, he can make players fantasy relevant. So oh, with- wait, does Jared Goff do that, or does Sean McVay do that? Because right. if, if you tell me Sean McVay is the head coach over at the Lions, yes, absolutely. As a Packers fan, I'd be terrified of what Detroit could do. And even so, the, the Lions beat us every year because we play in a meaningless game at the end of the season. Uh, no, I, I, I am not at all convinced that Jared Goff is the guy. And like, okay, they, they've made a lot of good additions. I really liked the DJ Chark signing. You look what the Packers didn't do this offseason. Would have been great to get him for a one-year, $6 million deal. And you mentioned Allen Robinson, too. Like Those are those like uh, mid-tier wide receivers that I thought were not valued enough by other teams that made it, made a difference. I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm convinced that we're going to have a situation uh, with St. Brown and Swift and Hawkinson where they're all just cannibalizing each other's targets, and those are the only targets that Jared Goff can actually reasonably do. That does not make a good offense to me. You can have all the pieces in the world, but you don't have a guy that can make those pieces work together. What are we doing? And and there is no Sean McVay, so I'm I am actually out at least in the, the ADPs for these guys right, right now. Let's Hawkins go over the, the one that I like. let's go over those ADPs. So DeAndre Swift in the in the early second round, it's a pass for you. Yeah, he's one of the the less concerning second round running backs for me. But I will have already gotten better guys by that point. I will take Javante Williams over him. I will take J.K. Dobbins three rounds later over DeAndre Swift. That's fair. Okay. And TJ Hawkinson seems to be falling in the seventh round. I mean, when the tight end, I mean, he's one of the tight ends that could end up in the top five. So if he's sitting there and you have a couple running backs and a couple uh, receivers already, you're just going to wait, wait, wait on him. I I like Hawkinson. He was my tight end ride or die last year. And it it worked 
reasonably well. The only issue I have this year is that there's a lot of guys in that, I don't know, uh, 10 to 16 range that I I think could all reasonably perform top five. Now, I want to say top five. It'll be the lowest of the lowest tiers of the top five. Like, it won't be a Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, Darren Waller. You'll be like, oh, wow, that guy finished top five. But it'll be because those four were so astronomically higher. Uh, so, I, like, I, I think Hawkinson's fine enough. I, I just tend to value the Titans a little bit lower on. And from yeah. a roster construction standpoint, that uh, ability to get those tight ends later, which, again, we talked about the knowledge level earlier. I feel confident I can find those guys. It was David Njoku before the Deshaun Watson stuff really emerged. Now there's more of maybe the Albert O type of guys that I would run a target. But, yeah, I, I, I would take Hawkinson in seven, uh, depending on how I want to construct the rest of my team. Yeah, I like that. It's not bad. I'm a little more optimistic on Detroit, but it is Detroit, so it's it's easy to uh, to see that going terribly wrong. I like the coach, uh, and I do like Amon Ross St. Brown, especially his price hasn't gotten too high yet. So it's time for another terrible dynasty trade. Yes, let's and, go. <laughs> okay, so get your pen and paper ready. This is an actual trade I made in my league, and I want you to evaluate it from a dynasty perspective. And then, like we've done with all of our other players, we'll um, you know juxtapose that into uh, the 22 outlook. So. Sure. To get someone like Jamar Chase in Dynasty is impossible, right? Oh, like, sure. yeah. right. But I figured out the way to do it. Okay, so it actually works. Right, completely. Okay. I, all right. I'm all sure. right. So I took a. I have uh, AJ Brown, right? Who's now okay. on the Philadelphia Eagles. We can mm-hmm. agree that you know some people are a little bit lower on his fantasy value, just based on you know the you know, the quarterback and are they going to be a running team? And I added pick one hundred and four in this draft to that. Who's so that, I gave that end up being. Um, it, so my choices were, uh, basically let's see off the board at that point were Brees Hall, Kenny Walker and London. So I had, uh, anyone after oh, that you point, Olave, how dare you? I'm very I, upset. Well, Mario's right, upset. Wow. Uh, okay. Well, you know, Olave goes a little bit later in these rookie drafts, but I'm with you. I would take him at one Oh four, one Oh five. So it, it could have been a quarterback could have been picking. Mm-hmm. So I, I took AJ Brown and one Oh four and I got Jamar chase back. Oh, I actually think that's a really good deal for you. Um, that's what and, I thought. And, okay, good. Because everyone, everyone told me I was a donkey and then I gave away too much. No, 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 no. So I, I love A.J. Brown, and I think I was pretty early on in the, the truther category for him. Uh, I was also in a DK Metcalf. I guess I just like old Miss wide receivers. Uh, but, like, I, I think A.J. Brown is, is totally fine, especially in that Tennessee situation where he was the only guy that Ryan Tannehill really seemed to trust other than some dump-off tight end passes. Uh, he's not there anymore. And I think I, I'm, I'm higher on Jalen hurts than I think most, at least some within the company might be. I think Jalen hurts is, he's not bad, but maybe he's not that good. And for, one second, you're high on Jalen hurts for this year or from a dynasty outlook, a dynasty outlook. I, I think he might be okay. Like the Eagles have done a really, really good job of building their team. I think building their defense in particular, but also acquiring picks later on that, Hey, if they don't like Jalen hurts, it's a pretty easy pivot point. And I, I thought their roster construction and strategy has been excellent, but I think Jalen hurts could be the guy right now uh, for the Eagles, at least for the immediate future, a little bit longer term. I'm not as high on Devonta Smith as a lot of people are here as well too. So by default, that makes me a little bit more in on AJ Brown, but the, the knee injuries, I mean, having two surgeries on your knees with before 25 years old, that's concerning. That has to add up, especially the way he plays. And my my biggest concern is what if A.J. Brown loses that extra speed element? He's never been the deep threat like a John Ross or uh, Deshaun Jackson. But if that get up and go, that run after the catch is neutralized by bad knees or inability to move around or be a little bit more mobile in that regard, agility is probably what I'm looking for. That makes me concerned. And I think Jamar Chase has zero limitations, is in a friendly offense, and has a QB that loves him back dating to his days in LSU. There's no reason for me why Jamar Chase is not a top five overall wide receiver. And even though A.J. Brown might be in that 10 to 12 range, there is a big enough gap where, yeah, I will gladly make that trade every time. Yeah, with the injuries with A.J. Brown, you know, he could end up being like wide receiver 16, and then that that really pays off. I think an underrated strategy. Everyone always says, like, how do you, uh, how many picks is it going to take to get Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson on my team? I'll give you three first-rounders. That's not how it that's not how dynasty trades get done. Right. Dynasty trades get done by taking a star player, like wide receiver 12 to 14, adding a pick to it, and then going up. Most people always think about how can I just give my draft capital? Adding pick, two-star player to get to go up a tier. And that's how, you know, in the past, you've been able to get Pat Mahomes. Take, you know, a Jalen Hurts, add a 
first uh, a couple for, uh, first bunch of picks get up to Josh Allen. So there is risk. The the dynasty market uh, in redraft. I agree with you. I would take in a super flex league uh, the new puppy. I I took Jalen Hurts six overall. All right. So in super flex. I'm taking him six. I'm taking him right after Lamar Jackson's off the board ahead of Kyler Murray. It's just, you know, it's, there's just high for me. I, like, I, I wouldn't go that direction. Well, let's uh, go over it. Let's go. Let's, okay, let's say, okay. okay. So do we agree Mahomes, Herbert, and Josh Allen in some order are the first three super flex picks? Yeah. And I would, I would throw Lamar Jackson into that Fine, equation. Four. Like that's off that's the board. Yep. Okay. So mm-hmm. now let's do it. So those four off the board, who are you taking at five? Burrow. I'll okay, take but, I'll take Joe Burrow. Yep. Okay, so here's uh, and that's that's basically what has been happening. But Burrow it doesn't run as much right now, and they were uh, that's what the concern is there. Now Burrow's going to be a top eight quarterback, but can he finish as QB one overall? I'm dubious of that, and that's what I want at that spot. That's why I like Jalen Hurts, and you Burrow's the safer pick for sure, right? Because Jalen Hurts could get benched this year for a Gardner Minshew if it doesn't go right. Like I, that's like like but Gardner Minshew is just this meme pet pop project. Like I, I don't, I don't, I know, I know what the Eagles did last year, so maybe I should be a little bit more concerned. I think Jalen Hurts is a dynamic talent to some extent, and and what the Eagles can do with him, you can do, you you can't replicate with the Gardner Minshew. So are they going to be intentionally making their offense worse by putting in a lesser quarterback just because maybe he could be a bit more commanding or he has chest hair? No, I, I just think that's a. That's the that's a dumb option, and, and all I'm the, saying is people are doing God, too many smart things to be dumb. That's that's where I'm at, right? I, and I just think like again for for redraft. Okay, so let's let's stay with this exercise. So you have Burrow sure. five. Who would you take at six in a redraft I, I, superflex? I think I'm taking. Uh, I think I mean, I'm taking it, Russell Wilson. I think I'm taking okay. Russell Wilson. Totally fair. Seven. Here's uh, the guys that usually yeah. go. It's Dak, maybe? Yeah. Dak is lo- well, Dak is down weaponry or no Amari. Right. And obviously we talked about Gallup offline. We'll get to that in a little while. But the um the the issue there is that um with Jalen Hurts, he's got all the weapons and he just that he's going to get seven hundred rushing yards as a floor. It's just such a you know, it's just I, such I forgot, a I'll take, I'll take Kyler. I'm looking at it now. I'll take Kyler and yeah. then uh, you're right. I might take Hurts over Dak. All right, so be, you're taking him at eight. I'm taking him at six, you know, or you're taking him at nine yeah, or ten. What maybe three round difference though with the way these drafts have been going. Is yeah. that though? Well I'm just talking about in terms of super flex they, they all go in the first round. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, and, and the, and tying it back to our original question, which was there's a little bit more risk with Jalen Hurts that because they do have draft picks enough to go up and get a quarterback if it doesn't work out. They, this is it. Jalen Hurts, this is the audition. You have all the weaponry, right? The coaching's in place. He's, he's, he's got to show that he's the quarterback of the future or else they're going to move on next year. Or they sorry, or they could move on next year. But I'm with you. I like him. And the market, the dynasty startup market reflects that because he goes at like pick 14, pick 20 in a super flex draft. Whereas if they sign him to a four-year contract, he'd go pick five or six. Where is uh Trey Lance and Trevor Lawrence in that in that equation then? So Lance, because there's still the unknown upside, goes right on the turn, the one-two turn in Dynasty startup drafts for Superflex. And Trevor Lawrence, which is crazy. I saw you laughing, and that's true because there's no – Jimmy G is still on the roster, right? He's still right, there. Right. And then Trevor Lawrence, uh, because of a disappointing first year, he falls to the end of the second round, which I think is fair if – you know, it's I would still take him higher, but I understand why people – he didn't fall out of the second round, so – well, I want we're, I okay. want you to comment on that. We're just going to take a quick break for our, our listening audience, YouTube audience. Stay with us. We'll be back right after these words. This Rotowire podcast is brought to you by my favorite meal kit, Factor. I gave Factor a try, and I can tell you firsthand, eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every meal arrives fresh, not frozen, and they're chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. Every week, you'll have over 35 different options to choose from, and there's something for every diet, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto, and there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So what are you waiting for? Get started today and get after those wellness goals. One of my favorite things about Factor is the convenience. We're talking meals that are good to go in two minutes or less. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are. There's no prep, there's no mess, no cooking, no cleanup, none of that. It's perfect if you have a busy lifestyle 
and you can't dedicate an hour plus each day to preparing lunch or preparing dinner, Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Factor also offers options for every meal. Pancakes, smoothies, you name it. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, dinner, whatever you need, Factor has it. Factor is also tailored to your schedule, so you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals each week. Plus, you could pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. We've done the math. We've run the numbers over here. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be both nutritious and delicious. Head over to factormeals.com slash rotowire50 and use the code rotowire50. That'll get you 50% off your order. That's code rotowire50 at factormeals.com slash rotowire50 to get 50% off today. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we're back. I'm with Joe Bartle of rotowire.com. Everyone should go follow Joe on Twitter. Joe, give out your Twitter real quick. Yeah, uh, JB Fantasy Sports. We're going to get in a Twitter overhaul. That's like a, a two weeks from now project. I want to make sure that when we are ready for social media time, uh, start of the season, YouTube, all the content we're going to have turned out. Uh, it's not just esports editor Joe. I have, wear a lot of different hats here, and that's one of them. But we'll get some of that NFL content uh, high, highlighted and prioritized. I'm looking forward to it. So JB Fantasy Sports, but expect a, a picture change for the first time in my history of Twitter usage. Uh, the the tw- like the 2017 uh, photo of me. I think it, it's we're a little overdue for a switch. You're like a guy on a dating app that still has that picture from 10 years ago, right? Yeah, it's it's more laziness than uh, intentionally <laughs> trying to confuse my dating audience. But yes, I mean, like, I mean, maybe maybe a part of it. I certainly look better than I do now. But yes, it's, it's more laziness than anything else. Welcome to the club. Hey, so I'm going to link all that in the video description below. And the reason, uh, you know, Joe is one of our favorite guests on this podcast. and You're going to see a lot more of him on the videos on YouTube. By the way, if you love videos like this and you're not already subscribed to the YouTube channel, consider hitting the like button and subscribe to the channel. We're going to put up videos every single day for fantasy football. Uh, and we are talking about terrible dynasty trades and then, you know, kind of taking little tentacle paths off there to see how those players' outlooks are for 2022. Uh, I have a new situation for you here, Joe. Yes, um, okay. you, we talked a little bit about, I, I'm going to, this is a Packers related question. Okay. Mm. So I made a trade which I was panned for. Okay. So okay. you see, I, I get panned a lot. Because I, I make these trades where I think are, uh, I had a personality. Everyone's uh, <laughs> they want to see you fail, Alan. That's the, that's the issue. They want to see you fail. So so does it, uh, okay. All right. Well, that's good then. The haters are good, right? Haters are good. But I have this team that's in real good shape. Except I literally don't have a second running back. My number one running back is Elijah Mitchell. I would love that to be my third. I just don't have anybody. But I'm loaded at receiving. All the other positions lock. I gave a 2023. By the way, 2023 rookie picks are like. Gold or whatever, you know, Bitcoin from a year ago, you know, I traded a 23 first and two 22 thirds, a first and two thirds for Aaron Jones. Hold on. So say, so you traded. So I gave a 23 first next year's first next year's first. Yeah. And three, one and three, two in this current draft. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like Brian Robinson and Zamir white. Like, you know, Okay. okay. And I got back Aaron, a 27 year old Aaron Jones. Man, um, so is this team similarly going to be good next year? Like, is this? This is a championship team that's missing a running back one. Yeah, because you talk about Elijah Mitchell being okay. Like, like my receivers, you would die. Like again, you you talk through this trade. I'll I'll pull up some. I'll pull up this team. Go ahead. I I mean, I like it quite a bit. We had done, uh, man, but four months ago, my my love for AJ Dillon, and and I think the way the Packers offseason has unfolded, 
I can double down and say, yes, I still love A.J. Dillon, whether it's redraft value or dynasty league purposes, but you can also love Aaron Jones too. I don't know how often the Packers are going to really choose to do this. I'll be really interested within the first three or four weeks to see those uh, next-gen stats, but how often will Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon be in the field at the same time? If the Packers are going to be an effective offense, the answer has to be a lot more than last year. And even and even still last year, there were times where Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon were on the field quite a bit, and it was almost always effective. I'm not saying Aaron Jones is going to be what the Jaguars keep trying to tout Travis Etienne to be, where, hey, we have a running back that kind of is good. Let's make him a slot receiver. That's, that's not it. I think, if anything else, you're splitting up Aaron Jones to the outside, having him run a deep or a hitch route, and that's exclusively what it might be. But you can do a lot with that speed and the pass-catching ability that Aaron Jones has uh, I think from a PPR perspective, he is going to be easily a top 10 guy, and he is certainly not being drafted in that way. And for the Packers offense to, again, be effective, he has to be. I mean, like, we, we always want we always want to remove the variables. I think when you're drafting, especially early on a redraft, what's the safest pick? Talk about that earlier. What's What do I know I'm going to get? We know Aaron Jones has to be a focal point in the passing game because if not, it's what, Robert Tunyon? It's Sammy Watkins for the two games that he's healthy. It's a rookie wide receiver. It's Amari Rodgers who didn't get used to. There aren't a lot of answers to that question. Aaron Jones has to be that in the equation. I like that trade a lot, actually. All right. Very good. And so Aaron Jones, other than his rookie year where he was a rotational player, has never scored less than nine touchdowns in a season. And he's had like an 18 or 20 touchdown season. Mm -hmm. And now he's going to, like you just pointed out, going to be more of the focal point. Aaron Rodgers is a trust guy. Who does he trust most on that team right now? It's got to be Aaron Jones. And again, I don't want to do a roster bait in front of you, but just to give you an idea <laughs> of why I did that, my uh, my Superflex QBs are Dak and Joe Burrow. My receivers, uh, Keenan Allen, Mike Evans, Cooper Cup, Mark Andrews, and then uh, Pittman and Debo are my flexes. I mean, come on, dude. That's oh, yeah, team. yeah. Okay. I mean, it's, it's the sickest team I have, except it only had Elijah Mitchell on it. That's why I did that for Aaron Jones. So, all right. So, so Alan, uh, I'm going to present you a possible uh, bad trade. I, you weren't prepared for this, but we actually went over. Uh, we did this trade for the Rotoware Dynasty League. So, do you have your pen and pencil out here? It's right here. Okay. So I acquired Lamar Jackson. This is not Superflex. Yeah. Okay, this is not single so single QB. Single QB, Lamar Jackson. Oh, don't tell me who. All right, you already told me. I was saying, don't tell me which side, because then I'm going to be biased oh, towards you. Oh, well, but it's yeah, all right. It's fine. Right. I can put my bias. Somebody, somewhere. somebody, uh, not me. Somebody <laughs> right, acquired well, Side Lamar A Jackson, is what? Lamar? Uh, Devin Duvernay and pick 1.3, um, which ended up being Chris Olave, for Justin Fields, J.K. Dobbins, and pick 111, which was Jahan Dotson. Yeah, I mean, you you crush that trade, man. In single quarterback leagues, you need one of these the five like um, terminators, you know, the the cyborgs, is how you win a single quarterback league. Everyone's got Derek Carr, everyone's got Kirk Cousins, everyone's got, I have Derek Carr, <laughs> right? That's what I'm saying. Like, but you know, what I'm saying everyone's got one of those guys. When you have a chance to get one of the supercomputer guys, the ones that can actually win you the league, there's not many single uh, um, one QB guys. So yeah, now I love that few, and I know it probably broke your heart to give away. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, yes. but yeah, yes. but but that shows you're a real dynasty player. You're not going to emotionally attach to a player when you see real value. And obviously, I mean, uh, who who was that trade with? Who was the trading partner? Uh, Kevin O'Brien, one of our operating managers here, wrote away. Uh, and, and you know, I, I love taking advantage. No, 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 And and he's a Packers fan, so for him to be like Justin Fields, I'm like, uh, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I drafted Fields, I think one nine last year, so. Yeah, it was. I, I I love Dobbins. I really do. And again, for the listeners out there, he is my running back, ride or die. I I, I will be taking him in round five. Okay, let's talk about that. Time. Okay, uh, let me let me give you let me give you let me throw some dirt first, and then you'll you'll counter it. So, um, I do like Dobbins, the player, but coming off the injury, Lamar Jackson presumably takes seven eight hundred yards of rushing out of the offense. Um, you know, Gus Edwards is there, but he's more of a backup. All right, uh, and then. For the most part, yeah, okay, so that those are the main points. The injury, Lamar Jackson taking a lot of uh, rushing yards out of the offense, and then to date, lack of pass catching upside, but, you know, he's a capable pass catcher. So why should people be aggressive on Dobbins, given that's probably my my uh, points were what the market probably thinks? Yeah, okay, so the same way the Packers' offense has to be effective to use Aaron Jones, and if they don't, they will fail. The Ravens' offense has to use J.K. Dobbins' or they will fail. I mean, look at what they've done this offseason. I 
am a Rashad Bateman truther through and through. I, I love Rashad Bateman, yeah. but when he's your wide receiver one and Devin DuVernay is your wide receiver two, we are mm. very much committing to the running Mark game. Andrews. Now, Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews. No, I'm, I'm going to get to that. I mean, right, right. what we saw this offseason, especially in the draft, the way the Ravens took not one but two tight ends and mm. have Mark Andrews and still have Nick Boyle around, it's pretty clear what the offense is committing to. When you have a guy like Lamar Jackson, yes, Lamar Jackson's going to have the rushing upside, upside, you know, the floor more or less. Uh, but I think he's going to open up those opportunities for J.K. Dobbins to be an effective runner as well, too. And you mentioned Gus Edwards. I haven't, I haven't watched your backup running back video yet. I, I'm sinning. I'm sorry, Alan. I will get to it. I promise. Yeah, Gus, Gus isn't on there. Probably you. Gus I don't rank. Would yeah. be like near the top for me because I really love Dobbins mm-hmm. so much. But I, I actually think Dobbins is going to be like a guaranteed 1100, 1200 rushing yard guy. And let's just say they look at that offense and say, wait. Rashad Bateman and Devin Duvernay can't get it done from a pass catching perspective. Mark Andrews has 160 targets through seven weeks. Shoot, we need to change something up. I think yeah. J.K. Dobbins has the ability to be more of a pass catcher than what we've seen thus far. And the way, you know, the Justice Hill and the other guy, uh, uh, Beatty, that they drafted this year, too. Tyler Beatty, yeah. You know, I, like I know they can be that role, but why signal to NFL offenses that you have to be or that those guys are going to be out there guaranteeing pass catching when Dobbins can do that too. I don't know. I'm, I'm convinced he is going to be somebody that, that does at least two rounds better value than what we're currently drafting. Yeah. I think this, this is that moment for us, Joe, this is that moment where I'm like, you know, that I told you every time we do a podcast together, there's one guy that wasn't thinking about that. Now you've given me reason to think so. And I I'm always open to like, Hey, if I have a certain way in my best balls and all my, my um, off season dynasty drafts go a certain way and I'm avoiding a player, I probably need to get back in on that player, especially when a sharp guy like yourself says that uh, makes a good case. So, uh, yeah, listen, the market agrees with me. That's what's depressing his price, but you see an edge there, and that's what you're attacking, and I, I do like that. And we do agree that J.K. Dobbs is actually a good player, so there, there's no argument there. All right, next guy I want to talk about was uh, – let me see. I have a whole list of things here for you. Oh, <laughs> okay. Uh, is it you know the Seattle quarterback situation? Because yes, D.K. Yes. Metcalf has fallen like a hot stone. Nobody wants to touch Tyler Lockett. Is it going to be uh, Drew? Is it going to be Geno? Or now Seattle is back in the Baker Mayfield discussions again. So prediction, and then what do you think is best for fantasy? Yeah, there's no way Baker's going to Seattle. I, I don't, I just don't, I don't buy that whatsoever. I could sooner see Carolina. I know, I know they they went that route, um, drafting uh, not Johnny Manziel, but actually Johnny Manziel in the third round. And oh, I, uh, Matt Coral. Yes, yeah. Coral. So I, like, I, I, I get it. Uh, I, I, I just think Baker. I mean, maybe if he gets cut, like there's no way somebody's trading for Baker. She's right. Well, you know what it could cut. be? It could be like if this, if they like, it's a late round pick, like a fifth round pick, but then like, it's, it's more about the salary. So they're negotiating sure. who's going to pick if, if the Browns pick up, I think they said 13 million Carolina will do the deal. But right now the Browns only want to pick up 8 million. That's the last I read. It, it's changing by the minute. So, but let's say the trade actually does happen. Let's say that he goes to the Panthers or the Seahawks. Yeah. The Seahawks. Okay. Oh, yeah, so that would complicate things because he's he is the best quarterback of that group, and I'm by no means a Baker Mayfield fan. Neither uh, am and, I. <laughs> and Chulak is not good, uh, and I don't think Geno Smith is either. But I think Baker is better. So I'm, I guess I'll say this: um, I, if there is one thing that I am most confident in thus far in my preparation for draft season and getting everyone, you know, listeners and stuff set, we are discounting the bad QB wide receiver spots too much. Mm-hmm. Whether that is DK Metcalf, whether that's Drake London, whether there's going to be another scenario that pops up. But I think Brandon Cooks, for example, has proven that a number of occasions with the Texans. Right. We have far too many of these really, really talented wide receivers. And Kyle Pitts falls on this equation for the Falcons, too, that I would rather bet on the talents of the wide receiver than any of the questions that we had afterwards. Don't forget last year when Geno Smith was your quarterback, DK Metcalf actually had his better games. I mean, that was mm-hmm. when DK Metcalf was more or less your starter. I'm. I'm convinced that the sharp value that we're going to find, and, and maybe people talk about this more, but I haven't seen it yet, is target these the one wide receiver on the bad team because even if that team stinks, and I think the Falcons are going to stink, and I sure as, sure as heck think the Seahawks will too, there is going to be at least one guy that has fantasy value, and I will bet DK Metcalf talent will emerge out. I will bet Drake London and Kyle Pitts talent there will emerge out as well too. I think those guys have tremendous value relative to their ADPs currently. 
All right. I like that take a lot because I like DK Metcalf, but I just, he keeps falling and falling and falling. And I understand why, like, you know, Drew Locke, Geno Smith, it's, it's sure. not yeah. really appealing yeah. in super flex leagues. Those guys go in the double digit rounds. It's not usual for a quarterback. I want to talk about the jets wide receiver core because nobody likes Zach Wilson. This is where like ADPs get like a little wacky. Okay. So mm-hmm. nobody likes Zach Wilson it goes as QB 20 in, in 22 league in redraft leagues. But you know, there, everyone's, uh, the ADPs of Elijah Moore are like the sixth round. Garrett Wilson's like the seventh round. Corey Davis mm-hmm. is the only bargain in like the 13th round. How, I mean, how can you justify the, the, the sixth round ADP of Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore, but Zach Wilson is still sitting at QB 23 or whatever it is, 20? Yeah, and you know they got Brees Hall. They upgraded tight end getting Conklin and Croft, and I, I don't think either one of them was great, but I think you, you have an addition in mm, both where about those. it just it rises that up they just overall have improved things for zach wilson you'd have to imagine even for as low as i had him in my quarterback class last year there is going to be a depth of improvement that occurs over year one to year two where wilson was starting for most of his rookie season i mean like that's he got a lot of valuable experience i don't think the jets are competitive enough yet uh, but you look at that afc east division it's the bills i think the patriots are taking a step back I know the Dolphins committed a lot of resources to being better, but I'm not convinced that's actually going to make them better. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm i not a Zach Wilson supporter, so it's really hard for me to give you reasons as to why his ADP well, is completely early. Would you take any of those Jets at that ADP in the 6th, 7th round? No, 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 no. I'm, okay. you know, I'm not taking Elijah Moore. I was never super high in him. I'm not taking him in the 6th round. There are just too many guys that I like a lot more. I'm not taking Garrett Wilson that high either. Um, How about Brees Hall yeah. in the 4th round? Do you like that one? Yeah, that's tough. I'm gonna have I'm gonna have to eventually. I mean, we're gonna do what? You're probably gonna do 100, 150 best balls. I'm probably doing more <laughs> like 20, 30. At some point, you have to get some of these guys, and I think Brees Hall. I'll, I'll make a point to get because I really like him from a talent perspective. Just in case, right? Which is like a just in case. Yeah. I just there's it's hard. It's really hard watching the the Jets for the last what 15 years offensively and saying yes, I need that for my fantasy team. I I I don't know. It's going to change until, or I'm sorry, it's going to be the same until it doesn't, right? We had this with the Bills too. Oh, wait, Josh Allen actually might be really good. And now everyone's clamoring to get those guys. That's going to happen for the Jets at some point. Uh, I just am not ready to talk myself into it yet. Joe, the powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their own fantasy team like a real NFL general general manager is Reality Sports. It's time to go see what all the buzz about in the dynasty community. Free agency, multi-year contracts, rookie drafts, multi-team trades, franchise tag, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, automated contract and salary cap functionality, and much, much more. Think it's complicated? It's not. The best thing about Reality Sports Online front office is that it doesn't take any more time than a normal standard office redraft league. It just requires more strategy. Think you're among the fantasy elite, Joe? Well, this is the platform for you. Still not sure? You can test out general manager skills for free in a mock-free agency auction. If you like what you see, use the promo code ROTOWIRE to receive a 10% discount on your team today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. Uh, I'm here with Joe Bartle of rotowire.com. Of course, I'm Alan Soslowski. Follow us on Twitter. If you like uh, videos like this, feel free to subscribe to the channel, hit the like button, and uh, obviously shout us out in the comments and let us know uh, if, if you agree with any of Joe's uh, horrible takes today. Uh, <laughs> now, Kevin, uh, Kevin Backledge has been great. He's been pumping me up, and then, then he had to hit me with the, oh, oh actually, J.K. Dobbins stinks thing, and that's like, oh, no. I appreciate Kevin, uh, all the support thus far, but we're going to have a talking to after this. Yeah. He's a good guy. I like Kevin. He's in a bunch of my leagues. Uh, well, I'm in his leagues. I should say we got We got to do you, are you on sleeper at all, Joe? Do you use that platform? (laughs) So I've, I've, I think I've made this comparison before. Um, I've always told people that the people who use sleeper are like the ones that talk about, uh, they don't eat meat anymore. The, the, the the keto uh, diets. It's just like, it's like a cult uh, of people out there. So no, I'm not on sleeper yet. Uh, I do judge people who push sleeper to the extent that they do. You are one of the mounts. So yes, I'm judging you ac- uh, accordingly. Uh, well, it's not that I, I, push- I probably have to at some point. I'm not, it's not that I'm um, uh, religious about sleeper. It's that I'm so anti MFL. So, you know, okay. Well, I mean, I agree with you. I'm on five MFL leagues and I, I completely agree. It's with you. so bad. Right. All right. That's for, you know what? Maybe that's a, a, we need to find an MFL truther 
and then we'll have that podcast. And I want to hear uh, the defense for yeah, that. That's, you know? You're going to have a lot of digging to do on social media to, to find that person. <laughs> Not really. There's actually a lot of people that like it. All right. A couple oh, more okay. a couple more questions before we get out of here. Uh, let's see. What else did I have for you here? Uh, oh, okay. Russell Gage is moving on up, Joe, in uh, wow. leagues. I've seen him go as high as on the sixth round now. He was go. I loved it when he was in the 11th round. Okay, let's just review. Gronk retires. We're not. Yep. I want you to give me your Gronk take if he's, you think it's totally over. Uh, you have Mike Evans. Brady made the phone call to get Russell Gage on the team. Like He proactively mm-hmm. said, this is the guy I want. They're paying Russell Gage. He's got $20 million guaranteed. I think this upside for $30 million is got in his contract. Russell Gage has gotten better every year. He's been in the NFL. And Chris Godwin is presumably out for at least until Halloween, I think until Thanksgiving with a late-season injury. No real tight end there if Gronk doesn't come back. I mean, Russell Gage, man, Tom Brady's uh, number two target. Can't he get 110 targets this year? Is it it 95? Are you drafting Russell Gage in the sixth round? So teams can make dumb decisions, but that doesn't mean fantasy managers have to. Uh, That's that's my kind of line with this. No way – my taking Russell Gage in round six and the Gronk news shouldn't have really changed that in my opinion. Well, he was going in round nine before that round 10. I, so the Gronk was going to be in the field for 10 games. Anyway, there was, there was no way he was going to be a major target. So if you liked Russell Gage, uh, when Gronk was still technically on the, possibly on the Buccaneers, you, you shouldn't be like, Oh, now I really need to get him now. Like, that doesn't change the equation much for me. I think the Buccaneers have a really talented pass catching group that does not just include Russell Gage. I have been a Tyler Johnson truther for a long time. He hasn't really performed the way I wanted to, but Rashad Perriman had a couple of moments. Scotty Miller devastated my heart uh, two years ago. We have Jalen Darden, who I thought was kind of a, a sleeper darling last year as well, too. Who's to say any of those guys can't be more impactful than Russell Gage? I'm convinced the wide receiver two or three for the Buccaneers we haven't identified yet, it, which is to say, obviously they're on the roster more or less, but we're, we're not drafting them appropriately. I would sooner throw darts at any one of those guys that I mentioned in the last rounds of my best ball than take Russell Gage in round six. Yeah, I, I this one I hope you're wrong. I've been getting a lot of Russell Gage in <laughs> round 11, round 10, So, but I'm, I'm with you. I'm not taking him in round six, but for all those drafts I did before the Gronk injury, when I was getting him in the 10th round, I'm satisfied with that pick where he's like my fourth receiver, or if I've loaded my team with other positions, maybe even my third, I do think he'll be productive. I like the break. Do you think Russell Gage is good? I mean, like just from like, I know he's an NFL player. So yeah, of course it'd be good Joe. No, but like, do you think he's actually a good wide receiver? I think he's a, a capable average wide receiver that, but he gets elevated with Tom Brady to okay. so I think he's he's like the poorest man's Jarvis Landry. Yeah, I know you know, like that's what a lot of people say about Wes Welker when that trade happened a long time ago with the Patriots, and obviously Brady made Welker into what he is. I think we just get too enamored with those guys. Like Chris Goblin is a really, really, really talented right. player. So yes, by default Brady will throw to him. I, that's not what Russell Gage is. No. And, and I think to, to mistake him for even a uh not sorry, Amandola, Danny Amandola is probably closer to like an Edelman or Wes Welker, I think we're I think we're going the wrong way with this. All right, put it this way. I think that in the month of September, Russell Gage will have more fantasy points than a really good player like DJ Moore, who's just lost at quarterback. Mm. So it's just something yeah. to think about. And again, let's take the name off the jersey. I'm not saying and I know and Russell Gage is a week one through five player. If he does come out to a hot start and he's like wide receiver 14 or wide receiver nine through those weeks, like it's an everyone's going to say screaming sell, but really that is the definition of a sell. So I think he has just based on the volume uh, and it could go very wrong in the sixth round. It's a little risky before that. I, I think it was worth the gamble. All right. A uh, couple quick, quick lightning sure, takes. Yeah. Cause we're going to wrap this I'll up be better with quicker. Yes. Yeah. No, no. Only because we're at the one hour. We're trying to keep this. No, you've been, this has been fantastic. I, Joe, I could talk to you for three hours. <laughs> uh, it's just that the, uh, the YouTube algorithm overlords, Say podcast one hour. All right. Yes. Yes. Uh, who's give me uh, two guys you're taking in the late rounds, dart throws that you think have a chance to really make an impact for your basketball team? Because I'm always looking for late round guys. My, for example, my Paris Campbell is a guy I've taken every like 17th round. Who's oh, your yeah. one or two guys? Yeah. So we mentioned Sammy Watkins already earlier. I don't Love care that. If, he plays, if he plays three games. I think you're still getting well, at least what we've seen over the past of Sammy Watkins career. Week one, Sammy Watkins is insane, and then everything else after that stinks. Uh, I, I I think he is going to be the guy that emerges as the opposite receiver, Alan Lazard, in that starting lineup. And people will be like, okay, well, 
what does that really mean? Aaron Rodgers hasn't made free agent wide receivers work in the past or really hasn't gotten those guys involved. And and I get it, but Watkins is a blocker, which will guarantee that he's on the field. And then it's just the opportunity. Mm-hmm. We know that Watkins is a pretty good route water when he is playing. It's just the when he's playing part that becomes the issue. So I really think that he'll be a, a valuable commodity in some sense. It, this isn't so much um, a, a late round guy. And even I've seen him draft a little bit too early for me. So I'll, I'll preface this by saying, if you can get Isaiah Spiller in round mm-hmm. eight or nine or 10, you where can. a lot of these... Where these where these backup running backs are going, I really like him quite a bit. He's not going to be the Melvin Gordon to the Austin Eckler, but the way in which the Chargers are going to use uh, Spiller is is way more than I think some people are predicting. There's there's some people that know the Chargers and are able to read what Brandon Staley and Tom, uh, Tom Telesco are saying and and be able to kind of understand that. And that's where I've seen him go higher. But I, I think it's not a here's Eckler the starter and here's Spiller the backup. It's hey, Eckler and Spiller are going to do a lot of stuff on the field together, and Spiller is going to get opportunities. Maybe not in the red zone because Eckler is so darn good, but enough so where I like him a lot more than some of these. Even like Tony Pollard, I'll take Spiller over Tony Pollard every day. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And that's not a popular take, and I, and I like that. And I'm going to add on to that. Is that I Austin Eckler asked the Chargers very publicly – to yes. bring in a running back. Yes. So I think that Austin Eckler may not be used in the red zone as much. If Isaiah Spiller shows he can hold on to the football <laughs> and, right. and and plunge forward, he is going to – I think in his range of outcomes this year is 10 touchdowns. Range yeah. of outcomes. Uh, that is, I, Eckler's so good there that it, you're, if you're the Chargers, you're taking away opportunities to be effective in the red zone when you really don't want to be. But like, you, you, are not un, you are not underscoring that enough. Eckler straight up said, Justin Jackson, Joshua Kelly, Larry Roundtree, you guys suck. Please stop sucking. I want to play less, but you guys suck so bad that I have to be out there. When has that actually been said? Like We, we didn't even talk about that in, in the media, and that should have been because Austin Eckler was producing so much. And yeah. he's like, no, 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 please, guys, stop sucking so I can just get a little bit more of a breather. It's and incredible. They, yeah, and they didn't even resign Justin Jackson at this point yet. He's not even on the roster. So you're talking about Roundtree and um, you know Josh Kelly, which is a very unimpressive group there. All right, man, you did it again. Uh, I want everyone to go try out Rotowire for free right now. You go unlock our paywall for two days, take a peek behind, see all of our fantasy football rankings, our dynasty rankings are up there, our premium podcast article. This is a premium podcast, so Absolutely. this one you're getting for free. Uh, but there's so much good stuff, the sports betting content behind there. And all you need to do is you don't need to put a credit card. Just go to rotowire.com forward slash try. It's right here on the screen, and it unlocks everything for two days. The two days lapses, there's nothing to cancel. You just put in your email. And that is all you do. Joe, what are you working on right now from a content perspective? Everyone should go check out. Yeah, we're gearing up now to the point where we're doing SiriusXM every Friday. Mario and I will be taking over, I think it's next week, Friday, uh, to start the the football push, which I'm excited for every Tuesday uh, for football season, which I think, again, is starting next week. Uh, and you're among this group as well, too, Alan. Mm-hmm. We have podcasts going on daily, right away. So my co-host and I, Jake Latarski, will be going over a lot of different strategy-related items. Uh, redraft. We've always done an auction related strategy. I think maybe we could even get some dynasty corporation in there too, given the market and how much that's been pushing. Uh, but that really is gearing you up to the actual season when every Tuesday we'll be going over the free agent additions uh, and waiver wire pickups. It's one of the more popular podcasts we have. Uh, and Absolutely. I look forward to doing each and every year. So those are the two big things, but obviously more YouTube content and uh, maybe we've got some writing opportunities in the world. We'll have to see. Yeah, uh, your podcast with Jake on Tuesdays is a, is an appointment listing for me. I always like hearing your guys' take on um, on which players to pick up because you guys go a little bit deeper than just the surface stuff. Which you know, if I just want the surface stuff, there's tons of articles out there. I like that you guys uh, get those like one injury away for next week players as well. Um, all right, everybody, good luck in your dynasty leagues, and we'll be back next week with another episode of the Rotowire Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast. Storm, storm, the sun goes down.